Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Hey, Roar Nation, John Fuller here, fired up for today's interview. We're going to be talking about some exciting stuff, things like something needs to change. So that's all I'm going to tell you guys. So that being said, David, are you ready to roar? I'm ready, man. Come on, roar. All right. So uh, Roar Nation, I'm going to let David interview himself. He has more letters behind his name than I do because I have none, and I say that sarcastically. But uh, obviously, I did read your bio, man. It's pretty impressive. So, David, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Man, by God's grace, uh, uh, yeah, the quickest came to Christ, by God's grace, early in age, and then uh, I had a zeal as a result of a few men who really poured their life into me, uh, a zeal to... Uh, know the word, God's word, and, and teach it. And uh, so uh, that led me to go to school at the University of Georgia with a desire to uh, share the gospel on that 30,000 remission field campus. And then from there to seminary in New Orleans to make sure that when I was standing up to preach God's word, I knew what I was saying was God's word. And uh, and then from there went to, uh, so yeah, did a few degrees there, then went uh, actually on faculty, started teaching at the seminary. That led to pastoring a church in Birmingham, Alabama called the Church of Brook Hills. And I uh, did that for eight years, loved that church. And then the Lord led uh, me and uh, by this time, uh, my wife and our four kids um, to uh, lead the International Mission Board, and I did that for four years. Um, International Missions Organization that sends out thousands of and supports thousands of missionaries around the world, among the places where it's they're least reached by the gospel. And then a couple of years ago, uh, started uh, preaching and uh, and pastoring McLean Bible Church in Greater Washington D.C. Ended up transitioning out of. Uh, leading the International Mission Board in order to fully focus here. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm now pastor of this church in Metro D.C. with 100-plus nations represented in it, uh, just trying to shepherd this church uh, to reach the nations here and then mobilize people to go to the nations from here. Uh, and then uh, along the way, have started something called Radical.net uh, that uh, basically seeks to serve the church and accomplishing the mission of Christ through all kinds of resources and events and uh, yeah, a variety of different avenues that are even expanding right now. So that's, that's the, the, the big picture. And then we're in the process of adopting our fifth child. So that's kind of the summary. Okay. So real quick. So for my listeners who don't know who you are, um, cause obviously we can't know everybody what uh, I know a book personally, it kind of puts you on the map. Obviously that's where I saw you. I think it's been 10 years. If, if I'm not mistaken, that's kind of where mm-hmm. uh, your name, why don't you talk about that just a little bit? So our, our listeners have a reference point of who you are in your first book. 
Yeah, so I wrote a book called Radical uh, about 10 years ago that was uh, subtitle is taking back your faith from the American dream. Basically, uh, was, it's just the overflow of personal conviction in my own life that, uh, yeah, I, I had the quick background, even story wise, I was on faculty teaching at New Orleans seminary when hurricane Katrina came and sent our house underwater. And I remember looking at my wife and just saying that right, we've got a unique opportunity to, to totally start over and just not, uh, not that we, especially seminary students and then on faculty were, uh, like living this extravagant life, but just to try to be more simple and intentional with the way we build our life, possessions, that sort of thing. And so I remember saying that to her and about a year later, I was, uh, pastoring this large church in Alabama and at a bigger house than I'd ever had and more stuff and in the eyes of the world like even the church world it looked like i was living the dream but inside i had this sinking feeling that i was missing the point and uh and so through time and the word just asking like when i when i look at the way jesus called people to follow him and the cost involved in following him and i looked at my life it just didn't add up and even looked at the church around me, church culture around me, it just didn't add up. So uh, we walked through uh, some uh, transitions, some pretty major transitions, both in uh, my own life and then uh, and in our church. And uh, so I wrote this book kind of out of the overflow of that. I thought when the, the idea was, I'll just kind of, uh, yeah, self-publish yeah. this book. We'll make it available to people in the church who come in the future who when just kind of help them understand why we're doing things different. And, uh, but then it got in the hands of, uh, some others and yeah, 10 years later, over a million people read it. So, uh, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I probably read it over another time or two. Uh, if I'd have known that news, we're going to read it. So, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, uh, but I think it just hit a cur- uh, hit a chord. Um, okay. I don't think I would say anything new in there. I think a lot of people look at what we see, Jesus saying in the Bible, what it, what it means to follow Jesus in the Bible and then look around us in our culture and think, uh, something's not adding up here. Uh, so anyway, yeah, so that was the book radical and a lot kind of flowed from that. David, we're going to jump all over the place. If you're cool with that, (laughs) we're going to bounce off script. So what I mean by that is I'm just going back to a comment you said, you know, you, you talked about, you said you felt like you were living the dream, but you were missing the point. What, I have not read your first first book and, but I I get the concept and I I hear your heart, what you're saying. I'm just curious though, like what to you does that look like? Because some people would say, you know, God's called us to be blessed, which I agree with to a certain point, but blessing can be a great marriage and children and health. And uh, it can mean finances. It can mean a lot of things. But when you talked about for you personally, what did, what were you struggling with internally that you felt like you were missing the point? Cause obviously you had the, the big church, the big house, the nice car, all this stuff. What was missing for you? Yeah, I, I would say, so talking about blessing, uh, Psalm 67 verse one and two really is the first thing that comes to my mind. So yeah, God is so gracious. He's so good. He blesses us in so many ways. Uh, obviously first and foremost with the, with the gospel. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, uh, got off, uh, plane, uh, 
this morning from uh, the last couple of days in uh, a pretty impoverished setting with uh, yeah people who don't have a lot and uh, and so I'm just overwhelmed on a, on a material level even with the fact that I have clean water sitting in front of me the fact that I have uh, I don't have to worry about food today so so it's not that we don't I mean, we obviously thank God for these blessings. They're a picture of his generosity. But Psalm 67, 1 and 2, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth and your saving power known among the nations. So the, the key is the purpose of God's blessing. So why has he blessed us with all these things? And if we don't ask that question, we're missing the point because the world around us and sometimes even the church world around us would say, yeah, you have all these things just to enjoy, which First Timothy 6 talks about God gives us good things to enjoy, but if we take if we if we don't realize that ultimately these blessings are given to us for the spread of God's glory, God's grace uh, in a world of urgent need around us, like God has blessed us so that through us others might know His goodness, others might know His grace, others might see His glory, and so that's where we have a responsibility to, much is given, much is required. We see this all the Scripture. So how this played out in, in, in my life and continues to, I guess I found myself buying into, that's why the kind of tagline on that book was uh, taking back your faith in the American dream. Basically, I just kind of found myself living like everybody else in the world, like get more stuff, get nicer stuff, get bigger stuff, get better stuff, uh, enjoy this stuff. And I just tacked on Christianity on top of that. It was like, and I think that's a dangerous tendency we all have just to kind of coast through a nice, comfortable Christian spin on the American dream, as opposed to like, when we look in scripture, Jesus is calling people to actually give away possessions. He's calling people, I mean, some, not all, but I mean, you think about the rich young ruler, I'm about to preach on that. Yeah, yeah that, now. That ain't like, his lunch. Go sell everything you have, and uh, so uh, Jesus. I'm not. I don't think we see in Scripture that Jesus calls every single one of us to sell every single thing we have, give it all away. But he at least called that guy to. He could call any one of us to do any number of things. And so, I guess the question I needed to ask, and I think we all need to ask, is like, are is is that the way we're following Jesus that our, our hands really are wide open with every single thing we have saying, how can I use it best for your glory? That, that, that'll change the way we live in the world around us. You know, I was, I was thinking about that. As soon as you said that passage about the rich young ruler, you know, the first thing I thought I thought of was, was the heart. Like obviously Jesus knew his heart. The moment he said that he penetrated his heart. And I think so many times, like you're talking about in Christianity and living what we call, quote unquote, the American dream is those things have possession of our heart and not Jesus. And I don't think there's anything wrong with having nice stuff and all that stuff. But if that's our heart and that's what we're attached to, and at any point we're not willing to give that up to follow Christ, then we've we've created an idol in our heart in place of Christ. Well, and you, I think that's a good word. And you even think about what I was just reading this uh, yesterday in my uh, Bible reading, uh, Matthew 6, uh, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. So we actually don't have to wonder where our hearts are. Like, look where we're spending our money. And Jesus says, that's where our, that's where our heart is. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Like, just look at uh, whether it's where you spend, bank account, uh, credit card statement, checkbook, whatever it is, like, 
where we are putting our money is a reflection of our heart. And I think that's a pretty uh, frightening commentary on our life, where the state of our hearts, both individually and in, in, in churches, like where are we spending our money? Uh, I think most of it's on, quite frankly, it's on ourselves. And uh, yeah. that's, that's something that, yeah, not to use the okay. title of this next book too much, but it's something that needs to change. Yeah. We're going to dive into that here in just a second. I want to ask you one more question going back yeah. to where you felt like you needed to make a change. I'm just curious. So after you said, you know, you kind of felt conviction and stuff, uh, this is before you wrote the book, like those next couple of years, what did you start doing? So you had, you know, mm-hmm. what people call the American dream, but how did you make that step or, and, and no, bad pun on words, but that radical step, obviously that you wrote your book mm-hmm. on, but what did that look like in your life? Yeah. So basically, uh, a number of different ways this played out. I mean, one of the biggest was, uh, we, we downsized our home. We just made a, uh, basically saying, okay, realizing as long as we live in, uh, this, this culture that I'm in, like, I'm still going to be extremely wealthy compared to the rest of the world. Uh, so, but at some point, the way, the way I put it is, and the way my wife and I worked through it, and as we walked through as a church, we said, let's put uh, a cap on our uh, standard of living and basically not buy into this idea that uh, our, our, uh, if, if, if we have X amount of money, then we need to live at that standard of living. Like, that's actually not, I mean, it's not what Scripture calls us to actually at all. Like, Scripture calls us to a sacrificial lifestyle. To uh, so, so if we have more than we need, let that not increase. The way we put it was, all right, this doesn't need to increase our standard of living. It needs to increase our standard of giving. Like we've got more to give away as a result of that. So basically, we said, okay, uh, let's let's live in a simpler home. And, uh, and even that, I mean, all this is relative. It's not like there's any verse that says, okay, you need to have this many square feet or, uh, Oh yeah. So it's personal uh, conviction. But but before the Lord to honestly say, how can I best honor you with our money? We, we realized, all right, we did not need all the house we had. And so we, uh, so we made a change where we lived. And then we started looking at other things, how we spend our money and said, how can we, how can we cap that? and then free up as much as possible to give away. And then we did the same thing in the church. Like we, we looked at our budget in the church and we said, uh, okay, where we said over the next year, how can we free up as we just try this for one year? How can we free up as much as possible to give away to urgent spiritual and physical need in the world? And, uh, so we just started cutting all kinds of things like our, our, I remember uh, we had like a big staff meeting where we kind of cast this vision and then we went away and came back and, Usually at budget time, people are like vying for how much money they can get. Now it was like a competition to see who could sacrifice the most. Like our worship ministry was like cutting 80, 90% of their budget and uh, saying, we, we can do without these things. Let's give this away. And so it was, and then, uh, so we freed up money budget wise, the church. So it, it was that, that was kind of the picture, both individually and in families. And then as a church to say, all right, let's, let's put a, a, a limit on, uh, on what we, and really identify what, not just what we need, but okay, what is a sustainable, good, wise way to live and then free up as much as possible and in giving to experience like pure joy. Uh, I, I think about even 
this couple I was talking with last week in the church here, like their, their whole life uh, as a Christian for the last 10, 20 years has been focused on basically a comfortable Christian spin on the American dream. And uh, so they've been professing Christians in church at the same time, just a life that looks pretty much like everybody else in the world. Well, a couple of years ago, God opened their eyes specifically. And this, this family is originally uh, from Ethiopia. They've lived in the United States for a long time. And they were back in Ethiopia on a vacation, like in some nice hotels. And they ended up going to an orphanage in Ethiopia uh, just for one day to appease a family member who wanted them to go. And their eyes were open and their hearts were changed. And their life is totally different. Like they just, the way they, so they've started a whole, I could go into the whole story just to summarize, like they have a whole coalition of churches in Ethiopia that are now caring for thousands of orphans. Like there's one orphanage where three to five kids were dying every single week in this orphanage. And then now as a result of what this family started doing and mobilizing others to do uh, over the last six months, they've had one child die there. Um, so obviously that's still extremely sad, but it's, it's totally like lives are being saved. And so I looked at them last week. I'm, I'm with them and I'm like, do you miss your old life? And they just smiled. They said, no way. Like this is, <laughs> this is, this is life to the full. This is life that counts. And, uh, Anyway, sorry, I could go on and on. No, but that's it's, it's kind really of the good. David, I, I see something happen, and I'm just curious. Um, but and I'm going back, and I'm thinking about. So you're going through this process. You're 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 shaving off stuff uh, material wise and all that. And then, do you think it's coincidence? Which I don't. But I'm just saying that, like, as you started giving and you were stewarding your money well and the things that God's given you, that obviously. And I'm just curious, you haven't mentioned this, but I'm curious if your church really took off. But then at the same time, I, I see that right after that, you end up having a number one best-selling book. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm just was, saying that uh, doesn't, not that that was your intention, because obviously it wasn't, but I almost feel like when, when I hear your story, I think you were a good steward over what you had, so God blessed it. Well, I would just say I... Uh, I always want to be uh, a bit careful with like the cause and effect because okay. there are, I just, I meet all kinds of brothers and sisters around the world who make sacrifices. And I think about just persecuted settings where I've been like, they make sacrifices and things get worse. And so, uh, so I want to be careful not to make cause and effect there. But I, I, I would say this, like, even for those, uh, like in my own life, what I've seen in the church, uh, and then even for those brothers and sisters I was just talking about, like there is reward found in following Christ. It's a totally different reward than what this world offers. And it's so much better. It's infinitely better. Um, and so, uh, but even, even that you mentioned like, yeah. So I, like I said, I, I thought maybe my mom would read this book that I wrote and <laughs> the two other people. And then, uh, so then, it, but that's the thing. It made all this money. And then I was like, whoa, this is kind of missing the point. Like I, uh, but then it was, it was great. The Lord just used that to say, Hey, you got to make sure that you guard yourself there. So, uh, what it did is we set up a foundation. So now all the money that's gone from the book and any other books I've written goes to this foundation. And so, yeah, now in writing by God's grace, uh, anything, that I'm that comes like revenue from books goes to this foundation that's given away to urgent spiritual and physical need in the world. And so I, 
I've experienced the joy of giving away far more than I ever could have imagined. Uh, but all that's by God's grace. And, uh, yeah. So, and that I just go back to there, there's, there is reward. We can trust. We don't have to, I think when I, when I talk to people and then we kind of start talking about these kind of things, they're like, Oh, I don't know if I can let go of this or that. It's like, it's just the foolishness of our thinking and we're all prone to it. But to think that we can't trust the God of the universe who loves us, uh, and is so much better than all the best things this world has to offer us. Like the, the, once we remember who he is, then we realize the most foolish thing is to put conditions on what we would do to follow him. Like that's, that's total foolishness. You know what I was saying? The wise thing to do is to lay it all down. Yeah. I I told a friend this a while back, David, I said, if you can't show me anywhere in the Bible from Genesis to revelation where God asks us to lay something down. And I'm thinking about Abraham, um, um, thinking about, uh, Anyways, just going all through where God says, if, if you'll give me this, I'll give you this. Like there was always just even covenant, like he just always something in return. I mean, you think about Jesus laying down his life. What do we have? Life abundantly. Our sins are forgiven, a, a restored relationship with the father. But there's so many times that we're holding on to something so small and God wants to give us something so big. Um, for, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is just being angry or bitter towards somebody. And God's mm-hmm. like, man, if you'll let that go, I could give you joy and peace and, and restore a relationship, but you have to let it go. But this all through scripture, he's always, it's, it's like he has his two hands trying to pour something in, but we're holding on so tight to that small little thing that we can't even receive the big thing that he wants to give us. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. He he is he is good and gracious and generous and loving. Like we can, if we can trust him to save him, save us from our sins for all of eternity, then certainly we can trust him to lead us on this earth, and not just to lead us, but to satisfy us every step of the way. Amen. Okay, so David, let's jump into your new book. Something needs to change. It says it's a call to make your life count in a world with urgent need. All right, man. Why don't you give us the backdrop of why you wrote that book? I did skim through it, and I read a story that I do want to ask you about, which was pretty exciting. So, tell us about it. Yeah. So this book, uh, it's it's different than anything else I've written. It's it's based on and it's framed as it's an eight day journey, uh, walking through trekking through, uh, the heights of the Himalayas. Uh, so, um, in the different places I've traveled in the world, like these villages up in these mountains represent the clearest, well, the only way I can describe it is a collision of urgent spiritual and physical needs. So urgent physical need, like they did some research in these villages, years ago and they found that half of the children were dying before their eighth birthday. So, uh, yeah, one of my biggest fears is something happened to one of my kids. I can't imagine that being expectation for half of them. Uh, and, and just, so all kinds of poverty trafficking that results from that is just horrible. So urgent physical need on top of urgent spiritual need. So most people in these mountains, have never even heard the name of Jesus. Like you go up and say, what do you know about Jesus? And they'll say, who's that? Like they've, n- they've never even heard his name. And so, uh, uh, so walking through those mountains. So what I do in this book 
uh, is take people. I, part of me wishes I could take uh, multitudes of people into those mountains with me uh, because you, you won't come away the same. Uh, the challenge is it's really hard to take multitudes of people trekking through those mountains on really narrow trails and yeah, for a variety of reasons, it makes it really hard to do. So my, this book, something needs to change is my attempt to do that, to take people on a journey. And what I do is uh, open up, I kind of come out from behind, uh, from off the stage where I'm like used to preaching as a pastor and just kind of be vulnerable with the things I wrestle with. And I open up my journals. Just when you see suffering like that, it's, just asking like, God, where are you in this? Why are some people born into what it seems like such earthly suffering only to move on to eternal suffering? And so just wrestling with that. So a lot of why questions that then lead to, so what, what does this mean? Not just for my life. What does this mean for our lives? Like we need to open our eyes to, urgent spiritual and physical need in the world that God has put us in. And uh, so the subtitle is a call to make your life count in a world of urgent need. Like I've only got a little bit of time here. You, all of us, we've only like our lives are a mist here. So how do we make them count in a world of urgent need? And so what I try to do is just kind of take people on a journey to where by the end we're realizing and something, something needs to change in our lives, our families, our church, churches and uh and then offer some uh help in what needs to change so during your trek um you saw a lot of things what was for you what was your biggest internal struggle with what you saw that caused you to ask a a question oh man it's it's hard to summarize because there's so many scenes that even as you asked that question flood my mind that we kind of we walk through on these trails, I would say, um, the, the two things that come to my mind most are one, just the picture of young girls being trafficked. Uh, like I have a nine year old girl. I, I cannot imagine, uh, that, that picture and, uh, just trafficked for, uh, to be, broken and used and abused by men and, uh, and girls as young as eight years old. Uh, so, uh, so that, uh, and so just God, why, how, how do you like just the, the emotions, like how, how can this change? Like right now, what can I do about that right now? Um, so that on a physical need level and then on a spiritual need level, like, just picture there's this one scene uh, that I uh, share about in the book that uh, where there's a bunch of uh, bodies burning on funeral pyres in this cust- this Hindu custom. And uh, you just, you look and you see bodies burning everywhere of people who've just died. And you realize most, uh, if not all those people, not only didn't believe in Jesus. Many of them never even heard about Jesus. And so you realize you're looking at a, a physical picture of a spiritual reality, according to the Bible. And, uh, uh, yeah, it is, it's jarring to say the least. And so that's why, that's why we titled it. I titled this book, something needs to change. That's when we got out of these mountains. The first time I was there, um, 
a friend of mine who was with me, he's like, David, what's your takeaway from this? And that was, that was the only thing I could say, like something needs to change. Like our lives can't stay the same when we have our eyes open to realities like this in the world. So David, after you saw that, so what was that change? What does that change look like in your life? Cause you had to walk away with something. I mean, you can't, obviously I haven't read your whole book. I've, I've skimmed through it and read some stuff, but I mean, for our listeners, when you're seeing this stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm picturing what you're seeing. I'm literally, I have, I have two girls. So I'm literally in tears just thinking about that as, as you're talking about it, but what can people do? Because we see these, we, we hear the statistics, we see pictures on TV, obviously 99% of us are never going to experience it but we can do something about it. What, what can people really do? Uh, I would say uh, there's so much. That's the thing. There's so much. It's not that there's not opportunities. They're all around us. The question is, will we respond? So that's what I try to do in the last part of the book is kind of help us see. Uh, and so the way that's played out in my life, well, that <laughs> as soon as I got out of that, uh, uh, those mountains the first time that ended up, uh, being the catalyst for a pretty significant change, even moving uh, into leading an international missions organization. And then a lot of things going from that, but I'm, I want to be really clear. Like that's not what everybody's uh, supposed to do. Like the, the thing is start like looking for urgent need right around you in the place where you live and, uh, and just refuse to live insulated and isolated from urgent need right around you. And then open your eyes to, what that looks like around the world. I just, so I, I share stories in the book of just ordinary average people who are, uh, yeah, leveraging God's grace in their lives in ways far beyond what they could have imagined. Uh, again, locally, like right around them and then in places far from them. Give and me- that's what, that's what I hope will be the fruit of this. So you want me to give you an example? Yeah. Yeah. I want a story. Cause I love yeah. stories. Cause I want oh. to hear what, just how, how about, how about this guy? So this guy who, uh, uh, I'm, I meet in the mountains. He, uh, uh, he starts talking to me about aquaponics. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's like, I, I am certainly not an expert on it and still don't totally understand it, but it's like, trout poop like the the uh, and uh creating vegetables for food so basically this is a guy who just he's like a uh picture just yeah down home from the country and uh really good at agricultural stuff well he comes on a short-term mission trip in these mountains he figures out that there's a way to use fish and trout waste to create nutrients that will feed plants that will then, and it's like this cycle will then uh, somehow it gets back around to feeding the fish. Like it just all works together. So he has come up, he's now moved into these mountains he and his wife in their retirement have moved into these mountains and are using aquaponics to provide food in all these villages. And in the process, share the gospel. Like I'm, I'm thinking now this is a guy who, uh, I mean, he knows, he doesn't have a seminary education like I do, but all the better. He's got an aquaponics education and experience that he's able to use because my seminary education doesn't help people eat in in this village like his gifts are. So that's just like one example. And I think, man, there are so many different people with so many different gifts, skills, that if we'll just like say, God, here, here's my life. Here's all I have. Use me wherever, however, right where I live, like far from where I live. And he never would have imagined like, 
this guy, I, I call people different names in the book uh, that are not the real names just for security concerns because these are tough areas to be in uh, sharing the gospel. But I call him Ben and this guy and his wife, Annie, uh, I mean, 10 years ago, they never could have imagined this. And now they've got a whole new life that is, again, richer and more rewarding than anything they could have found. I love that. You know, I was just thinking about when you said that I wrote down, I said, um, I wrote down disrupting culture uh, economically to preach Jesus. And that's essentially what it does because people are going to see if you can meet their, their physical need that's urgent and they, because that's what they understand. Then all of a sudden you're building relationship and they trust you to believe, Hey, this person cares enough to feed me, take care of me, help me. Then all of a sudden it opens a door uh, to share the gospel and the love of Christ. Mm, yes. Yes, that's right. That's the thing. I, there's just multitudes of opportunities like that. If we will be intentional about pursuing them, taking them again, it goes back to the purpose of God's blessing in our lives. Like he's given us gifts, skills, talents, resources. So when we lay them down and say, how can I best use them for your glory in a world of urgent need? There's all kinds of possibilities that open up. Amen. Okay. I'm going to ask you one last question because I always do. I never leave my show without asking this question, but before we do, I'm going to give you the opportunity if you want to tell one more story or something that kind of just comes to your heart uh, for listeners to go out there and make a change. Hmm. You know, I, I think uh, the, my, the, the takeaway I hope comes from this something needs to change book. And even maybe just from somebody to listen to this right now is that they would realize that God has uniquely given them gifts, skills, talents, resources, opportunities that are, that are different from me, that are different from you. Like that's the beauty, the creativity of God. Like I think about uh, a nursing uh, student, uh, this, this girl got her nursing degree and then instead of just looking for an opportunity right around her, she ended up going uh, to uh, uh, a hospital in the Middle East. And uh, she now has become the head of nursing in this hospital in the Middle East. She has a Bible study every week in her office with Muslims. And nobody stops her, like in a place where it is illegal to be sharing the gospel. Nobody stops her because she's really good at nursing. Like, I just think... Those kind of opportunities. I think about a guy I was on a plane with the other day. Uh, uh, his name's Hugh from Demopolis, Alabama. So he has a lumber business. I said, Hugh, where are you traveling to? He said uh, he was going to Mexico. I said, are you doing any other travel in the world? He said, yeah, we're in our company's uh, got stuff in China, Indonesia. We're working to get in the Middle East. I was like, Hugh, do you realize like God has opened up? He had recognized us from some Bible study videos uh, that he'd seen. And so he's a follower of Jesus. And I said, Hugh, do you realize God's opened up lumber opportunities, not just for the spread of the business. Like you have opportunities to go and be a part of the spread of the gospel in all these places in the world. Like, and he was like, I've not thought about that. I said, ah, Hugh, you got to think about that. So there's just so many opportunities, whether it's a nursing student, a lumber person from Demopolis, Alabama, somebody with aquaponics, like don't underestimate what God desires to do in and through your life with the grace that he's entrusted to you. Amen to that, man. That's really good, David. Thank you. All right. So last question. I never skip on my show. If you could go back to the younger you, you're going to ride in the DeLorean back to the future with Marty. 
you get to um, what age would you go back to and what advice would you give yourself knowing you can't change, you can't change your future, but you're just going to give yourself a pep talk. Oh man. Uh, let's see. What age would I go back to? I would probably go back when, when I uh, was like in a high school, college, like I had a, a zeal uh, to like just do all kinds of creative things, trying to share the gospel and do this or that. And I was bold in ways that I think I was thinking about this the other day. I think I've, uh, I think I've lost some of that creative boldness and uh, risk taking. Uh, so I would say to my, I'd give myself a pep talk at that point saying, Hey, like, don't lose this, cultivate this like day after day, month after month, year after year. Cause I find myself sometimes trying to recover, uh, something that, uh, has waned over time. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, man, uh, David, how do we find you, your book? If we want to have you come speak at our church, anything like that, man, how do we connect with you? Yeah. So radical.net is kind of the, the primary place to go. Uh, and then there's all kinds of stuff there about podcasts, uh, and then, uh, then church stuff, McLean Bible church, but all that would be kind of found from radical.net and something needs to change is the book. And so, uh, there's information on about it at radical.net or wherever books are sold. Awesome, man. All right, dude. I appreciate you. I love having you on the show. I love your heart and the things you talked about. So I just want to tell you, thank you for that. And, um, David, if you'll hold on just a second, Roar Nation, we love you guys. I love David's heart. I hope that encourages you guys to go out and be the change. Go, man, I don't care what you do. Like he's talking about whether you own a lumber yard, you're a nurse, construction worker, it doesn't matter. Jesus has called all of us to go impact the world through what we do and the gifts and talents he's given us. So if you guys need encouragement, need help with that, uh, please reach out to Casey and I on uh, Facebook or send us an email. We would love to help you pursue your gifts and make a change and a difference in a dying world. So love you guys. Remember, be real, be authentic, and be you. God bless. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.